Like I said, give us some lights. We've got a bunch of missionaries that are heading down to the Dominican Republic. Come on up if you're on a missions trip heading out on Saturday. <laughs> so here we have our team going down the DR. And uh, why don't you just extend a hand and let's just pray for them as they go. And uh, Lord, we just lift them up. We pray for a, a safe uh, trip down there. We we, Lord, we just pray that uh, you'd use each person here, uh, whether it's uh, delivering uh, worship or delivering gifts or uh, being in prayer for those down there or giving hope uh, to the needy, Lord, in whatever way, but particularly, Lord, uh, that your truth, your love would be shared, uh, your, your gospel would go forward. And so, Lord, I just pray for each team member here that you would bless them on this trip. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Those of you that have got kids uh, or have grown up uh, in, with more than one kid in your family, if you've got like one kid, this is not going to relate to you, but if you've got like two kids or three kids or more, uh, you know that uh, kids have an unbelievable way of figuring out if the portion of food or goodies or ice cream is fair. I mean, you know, you can go through incredible lengths to make sure that you cut that pizza exactly right. And it's like exactly proportional. But one of the kids will pick up on the fact that the piece that they got didn't have quite as much pepperoni on as their brother or sister, and it's just not fair. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how kids can sort of work out what is fair and what isn't fair. Now, if you've only got one kid in your family, uh, okay, so you've got cousins, uh, or you grew up in a family. You know what it's like uh, when you don't get uh, exactly the right portion. Uh, the funny thing about fairness, though, is it's often relative. I mean, you can give, uh, you know, a good amount of ice cream to your kid, like more than they can consume. But because their sibling happened to get a little bit more, it's just so unfair. And, uh, you know, this doesn't actually only work with kids. It works with adults, too. I mean, if you happen to have the good fortune of, say, inheriting uh, some wealth, uh, maybe uh, you got the surprise, uh, you know, your aunt that you weren't really that close to died, and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're in for like $100,000 or maybe a million dollars. You'd be like really happy. I mean, you'd be like, wow, this came out of nowhere until you find out that your cousin actually got, you know, 150,000 or, you know, one and a half million. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, that's just not fair. I mean, it's like, you know, so we, we battle with uh, what's fair uh, and how much is enough and uh, what's our shake in that. Uh, one of the things which uh, our country is wrestling with, as you well know, is the uh, the wealth distribution and the inequity and how it's uh, becoming less and less uh, equitable uh, and it doesn't seem to be fair. So statistically speaking, uh, in 2007, the top 20% of Americans owned, now just try and guess the amount, of assets of the whole country. So the top 20% own how much of America? 85%. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really incredible. So, say that again. 20% of the people own 85% of the wealth. 
Now, fast forward to 2011, that's the latest statistics I could find, the same 20% of Americans now own 93% of the wealth. Okay, so say it differently, uh, <laughs> there's 7% uh, of the wealth is by 80% of the people. I mean, it's like incredible inequity. Uh, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, but it's not just the top 20%, it's actually the top 1%. And of the top 1%, it's, of, it's the top 1% of the top 1% are just becoming disproportionately uh, wealthy. Uh, 1% in 2007 owned 35% of America's wealth. Uh, that's moved up now to 43%. Now, if you think this is just an American problem, it actually isn't. Uh, actually, our wealth inequity is far better, ironically, than the rest of the world. The rest of the world, uh, 1% globally, owns 50% of the global assets. 1% of the world owns 50% of the world. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, just not fair. I mean, it's... The wealth inequity, the, the distribution of wealth, is just, it's just not fair. It's not right. And, uh, uh, well, you know, what do you say to that? Uh, especially when the wealthy people are often, you know, entitled to special benefits. Uh, and uh, some of you might know this saying, but, you know, those fruitcakes are held together by their dough, and they don't need any special treatment. Okay, one person got the joke. All right. <laughs> But uh, I do want us uh, to look into this today. And, uh, you know, the irony was in biblical times, at this time that we're looking at in the Bible, uh, this was a similar problem, uh, meaning uh, the Jewish people, the, the, the landowners, uh, tended to get uh, wealthier, and uh, they would tend to buy more and more land and squeeze out uh, the poor, and the poor were becoming more and more destitute, uh, and the wealthy were becoming wealthier and wealthier. Uh, and in the Old Testament times, uh, God had a sort of a, a fix for that. In the seventh year, it was like a jubilee year. You, you redistributed the land equitably again, uh, and debts equi equi equitably again. But uh, I want to look at this today, uh, this whole idea of being fair, and uh, how can we get God's heart so that we are fair, and we treat people fairly, and we don't uh, do what we so naturally want to do, which is, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Uh, God is asking us to somehow uh, resist that tendency, to somehow resist the tendency to hang out with people that look like us, smell like, like us, and just act like us. And No, can we actually hang out with other people or love other people, or at least not be hostile towards other people. Uh, that's what we want to look at today. Can we be fair? So, Lord Jesus, I just pray uh, today uh, that you would empower me to preach your word. Uh, this is not a difficult concept uh, to grasp, but, uh, Lord, uh, we acknowledge it's extremely difficult uh, to do. And... Uh, we all fall short. So, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would touch each one of our hearts and show us how we need to change to become more like you in this area. In your name, Jesus. 
Amen. If you've got a bulletin insert, you might want to uh, pull it out. Uh, the first point I want to make is that we need to be fair to all. And if you're following along in the Bible, I'm doing James chapter 2 in the series. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? How can you have faith in Jesus if you favor some people over others? And uh, clearly, uh, we're saying we shouldn't have favoritism. There's something uh, weird in the way that we made up where we favor wealthy people. Uh, it's, it's like the wealthy people get treated well by everybody. They get treat, treated well by other wealthy people. They get treated well by middle class people. They get treated well by poor people. There's something weird that uh, when you come into contact with somebody that's wealthy, you feel like, hey, maybe if I be nice to them, maybe they'll help me out. You know, so there's a incentive there uh, that it'll go well for me if I treat the wealthy person well. And of course, for the wealthy person, it just life's really great. I mean, everything goes their way. Uh, but we also seem to have this crazy fascination with people that are famous. If we know somebody that's famous, uh, we like to name drop, we like to hang out with them, we like to any way that somebody's famous. And if it's not famous, then it's uh, if people are really beautiful. Uh, beautiful people get, you know, lots of privileges. Uh, it's great to be uh, rich. It's great to be famous. It's great to be connected. Uh, but it's not great to have special treatment or to give people that are rich, beautiful, uh, famous special treatment. Uh, God is uh, is asking us to treat people as people. I mean, the thing that's so uh, amazing is God sees every single person as a person that he's created. Uh, even if, for our standpoint, there might be losers or there might be a lost cause, uh, God looks at them as a person and says, we need to see the person, the human person, in the person. Uh, we need to treat people with dignity and we need to treat people well. Uh, some of us just have a bias for treating, say, young people with preference or maybe it's treating old people with preference or maybe it's treating white people with preference. Uh, but God is saying we shouldn't have preferential treatment. We should be able to be equal. Uh, and we need to make an extra effort or we need to be extra diligent or as believers, there's an extra incentive uh, to treat people equally no matter what uh, you know, that person's status is. And it's just not that easy. Uh, in the next section of, of James... James gives us an example. Uh, verse 2, it says this. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or go sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? 
you know, I, I was pondering this passage, and I thought, yeah, how would I do that in this church? Have you ever thought like, okay, say I really wanted to do exactly the opposite of this passage, and I, and I really wanted to give preferential treatment to you because you're the rich person coming in. And I'm going to seat you where? I mean, this is where I would think it's a great seat, but obviously you guys don't think so. It's empty. <laughs> so that's not the preferential place. But it does seem like those seats at the back there on the aisle, you know, when Rob starts talking loud, I can get out of here without being noticed. Those seem to be preferential trees. So maybe that's the preferential place. I'm not sure. And then as for seating on the floor, I mean, look at our, our senior citizen. They just think that's like A-OK, just sit on the floor, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't read this with, okay, so if you say to that poor person, you can just sit over there on the floor. That's our, that's our the elder sitting on the floor there. I mean, it's like, okay. Uh, anyway. You get the point. <laughs> Don't show favoritism, even if that is the best seat in the house. Okay, you can sit on the floor, Ron, if you want to. But, uh, we, you know, we look at these folks here on the mission strip. Uh, it's not good for only wealthy people to have the privilege to go on mission strips. Uh, and yet, realistically speaking, you know, as a church, uh, you know, as church leaders, we struggle. Honestly, with how do we do this? How do we treat all of you fairly? And uh, we make a big effort to try and be good at doing this. Now, I don't know that we, you know, do it perfectly. Um, actually, I can tell you, we definitely don't do it perfectly. Uh, many of you have pointed out the error of my ways. Like, you know, why can't I come to your group? Or why can't I go on that group, that missions trip? Or why can't I, you know, what about me? And, uh well, it's hard to be totally equal. But we do try and say this. We say, look, if you want to go on a missions trip, uh, we don't necessarily want money to be the factor. And yet at the same time, we are saying, hey, listen, you've got to pay your own way to go on the missions trip because, you know, we don't have like a fund to fund you to go on missions trip. So there's a balance. How do we help you to go if you don't have money? And, you know, the the reality has been that we have sent many people on missions trips, conferences, uh, retreats, uh, youth trips that couldn't afford them, that couldn't pay for them themselves, where you folks actually stepped up. We were very generous and said, you know, we're going to retreat. Uh, I'm going to throw in some money to help somebody that can't afford it. Or I'm going to a conference. I'm going to pay some, for somebody else's way. Or they can you know, share the room with me, or we'll drive together, or some way of helping somebody else out. Uh, fortunately, we've had many people go on missions trips that really would never otherwise have been able to have done it unless you paid for them. I, I also have to say we have had people that wanted to go on missions trips that couldn't because, you know, it's hard if you don't have money to keep saying, okay, I really want to go and I really don't have a dime and I really don't want to have my bubble burst again and again by you know, putting my head in the, in the race and then being told you can't go. Uh, but that's the challenge that we face uh, as a church, to not discriminate, uh, to try and be fair, and to let everybody play, and to treat people uh, well. 
so, you know, what I am saying is this. It's not an excuse to not do it perfectly because God is calling us to do that. Uh, but we do need to be uh, vigilant about it. We need to make extra effort uh, to make sure we're trying to treat people uh, with dignity and fairly. And uh, as best as we can, we're trying to do that. The next, uh, if you're following your bulletin outline, uh, is be fair uh, to the poor. Uh, look what it says here in verse 5 through 7. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slandered Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? You see, even in these times, we had, they had the same perplexing challenge, where rich people, who were the ones that were dragging them to court, uh, were the ones that were getting preferential treatment. Uh, even though they were the very perpetrators. You know, just because you're wealthy or just because you're in power or just because you were the politician or, you know, the religious leader, they tended to get treated preferentially. And uh, God is saying, hey, that's not the way. Uh, the other mystery to many wealthy people is that poor people tend to be rich in faith. I mean, many poor people uh, depend on Jesus. And uh, there's a sense where folks that don't have a lot uh, have learned to have high faith, to be dependent on God for a lot of their needs. And while rich people might scoff at that, God is saying, you know, this is a huge blessing. Uh, there's a blessing that uh, average people, and you and I are included in that, can really come to know Jesus and to know that he exists and that he is uh, somewhere that you can depend on that he will provide, that he is loving, and that, he's, that he is involved in our lives, and that he will advocate for us. Uh, I mean, there's something where that is a huge blessing. You can't uh, buy your way into faith. Uh, it, it comes through, well, faith. You have to believe. Uh, but sometimes uh, the poor have a, an increased ability to believe. Uh, what's interesting in this little uh, section here, James does not criticize uh, the wealthy man for being wealthy. He's not saying, okay, look, wealthy guy, you know, you, you're a problem. It's a real problem. If you... No, he's not saying it's a problem to be wealthy. It's, again, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Uh, you know, you can be poor in this world and rich in heaven. Uh, you can be rich in this world and poor in heaven. You can be poor in this world and poor in heaven. Uh, you can be rich here and you can be rich in heaven. I mean, the Bible is saying wealth in heaven is dependent on how you live here on earth. A uh, part of it is, like, how do you respond to Jesus? Uh, part of it is, how do you handle your money? Uh, are you able to be uh, reliable and trustworthy and dependent and have faith in God. Uh, can you do it here? Uh, 
you know, one of the small tests God gives us is this whole idea of, of tithing and can we tithe and will we tithe and, and can we be trustworthy in that. And, and uh, some of you that are new here, you notice we don't do the offering, uh, but we do have an offering box. It's right as you leave uh, the sanctuary between the double doors and you can put your, uh, your giving in there if you choose to. Uh, it's not that we don't have a high value on giving. It's just that we just, you know, in our particular context, uh, we don't pass the basket around. Uh, a part of the reason for that is uh, the church has often been seen by newcomers to faith as just all about money or just interested in money. And so from our standpoint, I'm saying, well, it's not about money. Uh, it's really about relationship with God. But at the same time, I'm not minimizing the fact that God is asking us to have equal sacrifice. Not equal dollar amount, but equal sacrifice. I mean, that's why God came up with, you know, 10%. Uh, so give 10%. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, most people in this church uh, have like a bank order that, you know, the automatic checking and you just send it in. You don't think about it and just, you just do it and it comes in the mail. But if you like to put in the box, put in the box. Uh, Jesus' point was very pointed in this area. He took great notice of the very, very poor woman that put a mite, a small amount of money, into the collection box. And he said, this woman is going to be blessed. This woman in heaven is going to be wealthy, is going to be rich. Is going to... And God is looking at our heart. He's not looking at our checking account. He's not looking at our dollar uh, balance. He doesn't give you extra uh, worth because you're wealthy. Uh, God is looking at our heart, and that's what he wants from us. He wants us to uh, be faithful. And while I'm on this topic, uh, you should all have received your tax contribution statements. If you haven't got it in the mail yet, uh, you're missing it. Uh, you can see Meredith, but you should have it. And I... I uh, also want to take this opportunity to say thank you. You know, uh, on the other hand, it, it's very easy for people to say, Rob, you know, I really get upset with you. I gave a very large financial contribution to the church, and uh, the least I could expect is a little thank you note, and you didn't even acknowledge it. You know, I like gave you a lot of money, and you're just like silent. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I thank you for the money, but you know, I'm sorry I didn't send you a, well, a note. But why should I? I mean, it's equal sacrifice. You know, somebody else is giving you a small amount of money, but that's a huge amount for them. Uh, so thank you. Thank you all that you gave, and you get your tax thing. And... Uh, let me just put it this way. Uh, God is not, he does not want us to have our self-worth connected to our net worth. Uh, our net worth and our self-worth are, are two different things. And uh, God is really interested in, in you, in your self-worth. Have uh, your dignity and your, who you are and your relationship with him. Now, the third point I want to make is be fair, be royal. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean by that, verse 8. Uh, this is a very, very challenging Scripture, on the first read, it's very easy. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But as soon as you press into it, even just a little bit, uh, you realize that, man, this is just impossible. 
Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law found in Scripture, in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. It just sounds so easy. I mean, it just sounds like, well, duh, of course. So we know, we've heard the Scripture. Uh, just love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. I mean, that's the hard part. Okay, have you ever favored anybody just even slightly over somebody else? For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you are a murderer, if you murder someone, but you do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. Uh, you know, God is just saying, look, uh, even the small laws, uh, they're important. You can't break them. Uh, they're all like equal. And we really need to equally love our neighbor like we love ourselves. And boy, this is just a stretch. I mean, it's hard enough to love somebody that you love. But to love somebody that you don't love or you don't like, you know, have any predisposition towards, uh, God is saying, no, you need to love them like yourself. I mean, the way the world is dividing up at the moment, it, you know, there's a lot of categories of people that wherever you're sitting in, whatever position you're in, you might like not love them as your neighbor. Like just say Muslims. Could you say, okay, I'm going to love them as I love myself? Oh, that, that's pretty challenging, especially, you know, seeing what's happening in the Middle East and people being beheaded. And, you know, it's like, wow, that's challenging. Uh, whatever category, you know, it might be immigrants for you. You might just really find immigrants obnoxious and whatever not. And, you know, no. Uh, God is saying, no, we need to love people. Uh, or most certainly, uh, the biggest challenge we have in society at the moment is the whole LGBT, uh, the rise of the gay community. Okay, how do we treat people uh, with dignity, uh, how do we love them? How do we do this? Uh, and this is maybe not for you, but for many, it's okay. This is a challenge. How do we how do we do this? And uh, you know that was my Bible study that we were going to do tomorrow night, and going onwards in this area, we're going to dig into this because Scripture has a whole lot to say on this area. And uh, this is not a, like a no-brainer. So hopefully you got my invite. If, you, if you've done 101 and you're a member of this church, uh, that Bible study is open to you. Uh, and we're not going to be starting it tomorrow night because of the snowstorm. But uh, there's lots to work through on this. You know, you can put it this way. Uh, when somebody walks through the door of the church here, uh, they fall into one of two categories. Either Christ lives in them, or Christ died for them. I mean, it's one or the other. And so God's responsibility to me and to us is that we love them as our, as our neighbor. Love our neighbor as ourselves. I mean, you know, some of these sayings are so easy on the surface, so easy to just throw that out. But to live it out, what does that look like? 
when you press into that, it, it's challenging. Uh, it's challenging. Uh, all right, uh, the last point I want to make here is be fair, be merciful. Verse 12, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Uh, there is a sense that God is looking at our hearts, he is looking at our lives, and he is looking at the way that we treat others. Uh, you know, we do have a chance in this world uh, to treat others uh, respectfully, with mercy, with love. Uh, and for us, it's a challenge to, to live that out. You know, I think one of the challenges that we have is we can't fully get our head around why Jesus died on the cross for us. We, we can't really understand that I am a sinner and you're a sinner and that we've fallen short. I mean, the word sin is not even like used in any other context except in a church. I mean, if you like hear the word sin spoken outside of the church, it's got something to do with chocolates, like that sinful chocolate. You know, I mean, it's got, it's got like no context with, uh, you know, and so when you say the word sin, all of a sudden now it's got a I don't know, it's just an awkward word to, to use because uh, you kind of have to already be a church person to understand the full meaning of the word sin, and then you really appreciate it because you understand that we are sinners and you understand that Jesus died on the cross, but what we can't grasp is really the fact that we are sinners. I, I mean, like, we think, you know, we're doing a good enough job uh, you know, this idea of loving others. We actually do love others. And, you know, we're pretty good people. And I love my kids. And I love my wife. And I love... And we say, well, that's good enough. And, you know, the people we don't love, well, you know, we're not Jesus. I mean, how am I supposed to love a radical Muslim for crying out loud? You know, I don't even know any radical Muslims. So, you know, I'm off the hook. No, I, I, that's not the case. God is saying, what is your attitude towards that? And okay, so you're not perfect? Well, in our minds, we just say, oh, well, that's a little sin. That's a little deal. And in God's mind, he's saying, it's a big deal. He wants us to be perfect. And he said, well, we can never be perfect. Well, exactly. That's why we're so dependent on Jesus. And, you know, when we leave here today, God is saying, I want you to be more fair. More fair. Be fair to everybody that you come in contact with. Be, I want you to be fair with your kids, fair with your spouse, Fair with your extended family, fair with all your friends, fair with your neighbors, and I want you to be like perfectly fair. Don't mess up. Don't be like a little bit extra piece of pizza for the other. No, equal portions, perfectly fair. It doesn't take long to realize, wow, that's, that's kind of hard. That's kind of impossible. Well, exactly. But we can say, Holy Spirit, help me. You know, empower me. Uh, help me to be wise. Help me to smarten up in this area. Help me to see people with your eyes. Uh, God, is there somebody in particular that I need to be looking out for? Is there somebody that needs to have fair treatment that everybody else is not treating very fairly? Lord, uh, who is it that you want me to go to bat for? Uh, 
you know, that's the heart that God wants us to have when we leave here, is to be fair. And it's not easy, but it starts with an attitude of saying, I want to be fair. I want to love those that I wouldn't normally love or somebody that's really annoyed me. I, I, I want to love them. God is putting that in all of us. Uh, it's his heart. It's what he wants for us. Uh, it's why we so desperately need Jesus. Uh, you know, what we can't do is say, well, okay, Rob, this is a nice message. It's January. You know, it's like a New Year's resolution. I'll, I'll be fair. I'll try and be fair. I'll try and be nice. And I'll try real hard. And, you know, within like three weeks, that'll probably wear off like your New Year's resolution. I mean, did you notice that the gym was kind of empty this week? Oh, you didn't notice. Because you weren't there. <laughs> so that New Year's resolution out of here, right? Now the gyms are back to normal already. It's great. But you can't do that with this one. You can't say, God, you know, I'm going to try and be nice to people for you know, a few weeks, and then, okay, I tried hard for a while, and now I'm out of that one. No, this is something God wants to put in us where we are asking God for his heart and his attitude and his ability to love people, even, that, even people that are unlovely. Uh, God is asking us to do that. He's putting that in us. He's saying, uh, can we do that? So uh, let me just uh, conclude there and say, okay, God is asking us to be fair, to be fair to the poor, not to give preferential treatment to the wealthy, to have mercy and to show mercy and to be people that reflect God's character. Uh, that's what God is asking us to do. And he's giving us the ability to do that by us asking the Holy Spirit uh, to empower us and to give us God's mindset and thinking and strategy when we deal with difficult people or just to be fair with good people. Uh, can we do this right? Can we do it correctly? Uh, can we do it with integrity? Can we do it with love? Can we do it with good intention? That's what God is asking us to do. And uh, I just pray that Lord will empower you as you leave here to do that. I want Helen to come on up. Uh, Helen Bonet is going to uh, share this morning. Uh, she led the prayer time uh, before church. And again, you know, we just simply uh, get together before church and just say, God, you know, are you trying to say something to us? Give us ears to listen to you and our best ability to, uh, to hear your voice, uh, you know, speak to us, give us scriptures, pictures. Uh, and you're all welcome to that. This is not like, you know, members-only club. This is anybody can show up. Uh, if you're new to this, you know, just don't disturb the meeting. Just sit and listen and see what happens. If you can contribute, great. But, Helen, give it a go. What did you... Yeah, you're kind of short. Come, come up here so we can all see you. We don't get preferential treatment just to the front row for crying out loud. I should know better. I sit yeah, in the back. Exactly. <laughs> no, sitting on the floor in the back. One of these, one of these transgressors. Oh, well, that being said, um, a lot of times life can feel really unfair. Despite our best efforts, we all fall short, at, both in trying to be fair to others and receiving fairness. So... Um, when we were praying this morning, we got lots of scriptures and, and pictures, and we, we felt like it boiled down to this. If you feel like you're stuck, empty, forgotten, somehow outside of God's kingdom, his household, then there's an invitation 
to come sit at his feet and experience the warmth and fullness of his love so he can heal you and set you free. If that's you, whether you need physical healing or emotional, spiritual healing, we would really love for you to come up and we'll pray for you. Um, if there's some other thing that you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. God has goodness and love for you right now, today. He wants you to come forward and receive that because he is perfectly fair. Right, he is. He is. Well, why don't we stand? Come on, worship team. Come on up.